Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. Cray Blanding contacted me shortly after his mom's episode went live. That was episode eight, Doreen Blanding, and said that he would like to share his perspective. And I thought that's perfect and amazing because that's why this podcast exists is for people to share their perspectives and their experiences. So what you'll hear now is the interview that he and I did, and he shared a lot of great stories and you could definitely tell how much love and respect that he has for his parents. And it just was really great experience. So I hope you'll enjoy. Cray, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is kind of fun. It's it's a new thing to try. The child of someone who came on talking about, yeah, you know, homeschooling. Now you get to either verify her story or maybe have your <laughs> own version of it. Hopefully, your mom's yeah. not like cringing as she listens. But I probably no, be. no, I, I don't think she will be. She was she was very faithful to. To it. I mean, I have my own opinion and my own side of it, of course, but you know, nothing she said I disagree with. So, cool. Well, that's exactly what we want. Is another point of view, right? Because <laughs> even though you're in the same house and you're experiencing the same things, you're still going to have your own view of, you know, how that went, and that mm-hmm. makes your story unique. So, I think that's really yeah, cool. Definitely. So, yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was interesting growing up. Um, so, I mean, obviously I'm the oldest of her six children. Um, I'm almost 30 now. I'll be 30 in a couple years here. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, it's definitely unique being the oldest in, in that large of a family just in the first place. But then I think if you tack on being homeschooled and, and literally my classmates were all of my siblings, um, for the vast majority of my schooling life, um, it, it definitely kind of changes changes your out your, your your look on life as you're going through everything um as we were like as we were growing up um you know being being around everyone that you knew definitely had its perks but it also had its disadvantages i think um and then um yeah i mean i guess where do you want me to start because i mean it's there's a lot to it and a lot to well, unpack Right, right off the bat, when you said there's some perks, but there's some disadvantages. Like, talk yeah. about that. What were some of the perks? What were some of the disadvantages? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest perk um, was that I was around my family at all times, um, in that, and I knew no matter what, um, they always had my back. Um, uh, and and then on top of that, we grew up. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the the Seattle Redmond area, but we grew up in a fairly middle class. Um, area at help, you know, my dad's a computer um, software programmer. Um, so we were in the Redmond Microsoft area and everybody that we grew up in, um, it was very clicky um, is probably the best way to put it. We were right, you know, millennials, Gen Z kind of situation where everyone was click. Uh, it was very clicky. So you kind of had an in-group and if you weren't in that in-group, you just, you weren't cool. Um, and as a, you know, kid growing up that matters but one of the nice things about having such a large family is i was always in an in-group um you know worst came to worst uh my siblings were there to back me up and it, and it happened multiple times where and i would never say we got into like legitimate fights that's that never happened but um you know i don't 
it's it's kind of one of those things that you know you can pick up pick on your sibling but if anyone else does you're immediately like even if it's the exact same thing that you're picking on them on you're immediately and uh, got their got their back and that's kind of what it was for all of us which was really which was really nice because we were definitely the outsiders um growing up socially uh for for me at least and it was it was different for each one of us we all kind of had our own little group of friends um but for me uh, we grew up um very religious um and we were in our congregation and in our congregation uh i was smack dab in between two age groups so the closest um the closest kid to my age was six months older or six months younger and the one that was six months younger had his group that he had been growing up with since they were like three and i was 12 when we moved into the war uh into the congregation and the one who was older, um, he had an older sibling who had his friend group, and he just kind of merged with them. So I was very much on an island, personally. Um, so having my siblings around to kind of back me up, and I always had people to hang out with, was really big um, for me, because I'm an, I'm an extremely sociable person. Uh, nowadays, I'm a tech recruiter for a local tech company here in Bellevue. So I'm, I'm very outgoing. I'm the type of person who, let's start up a conversation, and I could talk forever. Um, so having my siblings always around definitely was really helpful um, growing up. So that's probably like the big both. And I guess that's both a, a benefit and a, a, and a downside, right? Is because I was homeschooled, I was the outsider. I was the, and I use air quotes here, but like weird one, which is a wrong way to put it. But according to anyone who was public school, they're like, oh, who are these people? They just stay home all day. What? Like, do you not learn anything? Um, and and what they just don't realize is that just life is learning. And, you know, uh, like my mom was talking about with all of those unit studies and, and all of that. And by the time I'd moved into that group, I'd kind of transitioned a little bit out of that, or we had, because I was getting older and I actually legitimately needed to learn specific subjects more seriously um but i knew more about you know i knew more about our own scriptures than they did i knew more about lewis and clark than they did i knew more about camping than they did i knew a lot more about you know you know baseball which was ironic considering there's quite a few of them who are huge baseball fans and like i just i knew a bunch of like random facts that when you look back on it it's like oh that was all preparing me to kind of just re retain information um and to this day i retain information that it's just like how do how do i know that right um and and it comes up in work where they're like how do you know these things i'm like i don't know i just i, I grew up with a voracious appetite for learning because of these things it was one of those things that a kid you know me or my siblings would come up to mom and go how does this work and then the next thing you know we're two weeks into a unit study learning exactly about that specific thing <laughs> and learning everything that's in tandem to it and you're just sitting here going Poof, looking back you know 28 year old me looking back i'm like oh wow i learned a lot <laughs> yeah well it's yeah. funny because your your mom was saying that you were like i don't think we did anything i don't think we learned anything you know yeah, and she, that, that was kind of taken a little bit out of context she's <laughs> right I did, I did say that to some extent but what i was talking about was uh, and this is no fault to my mother and i want to preface all of this with like my mother is awesome she gave me the best start i i could have imagined there are things i would have done differently uh knowing with you know 28 year old eyes looking backwards of course some of that has to do with just my personality and who i am some of that has to do with what i think she should have done um but uh but overall um 
there were there were a few things that that I think we did kind of miss out on. And I think the biggest was learning how to fail. Um, is really tricky to learn. And as a parent, I, I have a two-year-old daughter. Um, and as a parent, that's really hard. Um, watching your child fail and knowing you could have stepped in to help. Um, but it's still an important part of their growth, right? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe this is just my point of view and I'm missing things, which is totally valid. Um, but there were situations where I was late to getting assignments in. Just because we did unit studies didn't mean we didn't have assignments, right? It didn't mean we didn't have papers to write, like write a paper on Lewis and Clark's dog or write a paper on Fort Catsby or, or, or anything like that. And I'm using Lewis Clark because that's probably the biggest and most, like, like my mom said, if you were to come and ask all of us, Lewis and Clark would be, every single one of us would have it top three, if not the best, you know, top one, right? Because well, that I, was There's a good reason. That, that was amazing. It was. It was absolutely incredible. I want to do it again. Even 28-year-old me, I, I probably wouldn't learn it nearly as much, but I still want to do it because it was a really cool experience. But with that being said, um, you know, there were times where I was late to, to appointments. There was late to things. And in school, right, in, in real school and in college, when you're late, that's huge. Right. When you don't get a paper in on time, that can literally mean the difference between passing and failing. Yeah. When you're at home with your parent, they'll work with you to get it in. And you may not get as good of a grade, but they're like, what's the consequence? That's kind of what I mean, right? By that, that the failure is blunted. It's still there, but part of you is just like, oh, it's just mom. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It's just mom. It's just dad. It's whatever. They'll still lovely, love me no matter what. And I'm not saying teachers don't love their students, but it's different. Right. When you're letting down somebody who isn't your family versus letting down your mom. And there's definitely that concept of like, oh, I don't want to let down my parents. But at the same time, my parent was my teacher. I literally spent every single day with her. She knew every single dirty detail of my life. Right. There was no hiding anything from her. Therefore, you know, being a little bit late to a paper because I decided to just, you know, blow it off, whatever. And and that's what I mean by, you know, there are definitely some downsides. And for me, when she was talking about some of her kids wanted to go to, sh thinks they should have gone high school, I should have, because I needed to learn that failure sooner um, or, or at least do some classes in a situation where failure was, was super impactful. Um, so you're talking about making the stakes higher. Right? Yeah, like yeah. like having higher stakes so that it matters whether or not you fail. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it because like it mattered um with my mom, like it definitely did, like you could feel her wrath, but in the end she's still mom. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's still mom, she's still going to love me, she's still going to put food on the table and I am not suggesting you withhold food for grades. Bad idea. <laughs> However, <laughs> there needs to be more stakes to it. Right. You know, I, I hear from my my fan, my my friends, um, you know, when they failed classes, they had to repeat classes. I never really had to do that all that much. Um, you know, I didn't get a paper in and I quote unquote failed. I never got a grade, really. Um, like that's the other thing. The re report cards didn't really exist. We had some idea, um, but there was no like, hey, you, there's always the comic or or the TV show when the when the child comes home and shows the parent the grade and you know they're they're scared out of m their mind because they only got a C or they only got a B right in my family that never was a thing right there was no like oh great now I got to go tell mom I didn't pass this class that just didn't exist until I was in college 
at which point, yeah, the stakes are high, but they're really high, right? Now you're talking tens of thousands of dollars a year high compared to high school where it's like, oh, great, now you got to go do summer school, right? And it doesn't cost a little bit extra other than you don't get to go play soccer or don't, don't get to play summer baseball or summer basketball or whatever sport you're doing, right? Um, that's what I mean by the you, you, there needs to be bigger stakes. So you felt like you kind of went from zero to 60 is what you're saying. So you had this no stakes yeah. environment and then bam, in college and the stakes are super high. Yeah. And my mom would counter that um, with Bellevue College. I know where she's going because I've had this conversation with her before, right? We did converse, we did Bellevue College at 16. Um, every single one of us did. We did running start program here in Washington. Um, are you familiar with that program? Yeah. Like, I have of, two okay. kids who are doing running start. And in this area where we live is Clark College because we live in Clark County. So perfect. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so like we did Bellevue College um, at 16. But to be frank, that was easy. Right. And then I went off to real university, right? A real four year. And not to say that Bellevue College isn't, but like we were just doing the associate's degree. And in my opinion, our associate's degrees are effectively just a continuation of high school. Um, so I could kind of just walk through a lot of it. I mean, there was definitely a couple classes I did not do so great on. <laughs> definitely. But those were like elective classes. There was nothing serious. There was no real stakes. And then I went to college where things really started to matter. And it was, it was a major wake up call. Yeah. So do you feel like, like, what do you wish you'd done differently? You said go to high school, like freshman year, go to high school I for two years. Yeah, I should have done high school for two years or at least partial, maybe not the whole thing. Uh, and I, and to be completely frank, I would have fought my mom tooth and nail. hundred percent would have fought her tooth and nail, not have wanted to do it. Um, and it would have been a pain in the butt for her, but it definitely was the direction I should have gone. Um, but yeah, I should have done probably two years of high school and then did two years of full-on running start um, uh, or, or even both running start or, or high school. But like elementary school age, I don't think there's anything better than than homeschooling if you can do it, um, which is ironic because I'm sure you can hear her in the background. Uh, but the two-year-old um, that we have here, we're not going to homeschool her. Um, but our situation is very different than what my mom's was. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to is like, you have to adapt for your situation, right? Like, yeah, it isn't a carbon copy from generation to generation. You know, and, and I say we're not going to homeschool her, but that doesn't mean I'm going to, I'm not going to take some of the things that I learned from being homeschooled and, um, and apply them to, uh, apply them to my, my daughter's education. Right. Um, and, and take some of that, you know, i during the summer, you kidding me? I'm totally doing unit study kind of style things. Um, and I'm totally going to go to my mom going, hey, what can I get through in just the summer and teach her, right? So that's that's really what I'm, you know, that's my point of view on that. That's really cool. And actually, because like my husband and I, we're the only homeschool families on either side. He's the oldest mm -hmm. of six. I'm the third of seven. And we don't, there's nobody who homeschools. And, and yet I see how my sisters or sister-in-laws how they take advantage of summers to really teach their kids a ton of stuff they're like this is my time now i can do what i want to do and teach the kids what i want to you know feel like they need to learn i think that's yeah that's amazing and awesome yeah I mean, and it's 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 simple things too because i'm not going to make it as strict as like a, a real social like a real um not social uh but more more unit study where you know we had to write papers or anything like that but more of like and, and here's the thing that 
and it was something I saw my my kid, my friends going through in college, uh, in high high school and in, in elementary schools. Their parents would um, they the kid would come home from school, they would do all their homework, and then that was the end of schooling for them, which is fine during the school year. But then summer would come around, and the kids would just kind of be left to run around, which is fine, and everyone deserves that ability to do that. But there were so many opportunities. Every vacation, you can learn something, right? If you're going to go to Hawaii and spend time, go learn about the coral reef or go learn about volcanoes because Hawaii's got active volcanoes. You can literally go and stand on lava, right? Um, you know, go do a cross-country trip and do Lewis and Clark. There are so many things out in the world that you can very easily just at your fingertips just learn, um, especially nowadays that we have the internet. And, you know, my mom was talking. She was doing all of this pre-Google. We've got Google, right? Like, it's so easy to learn. I got massively just in the past, like because of COVID, I've gotten massively into road cycling. Um, I knew nothing about road cycling. The last bike I owned was when I was 16. That bike is since been in the dump because I never took care of it. And all I did was ride it down hills as fast as I possibly could because, you know, why not? Right. But since then I've like, you know, just dived deep into this world of road cycling. And there's so many fascinating, fascinating things you can learn about physics, like all the way the gearing works, right? How does conserving momentum and how does, how do you use the simple machines that, you know, are daily, you know, daily lives and engines are built off of, right? Like every single one of those fascinating things that a child picks up and is interested in, not only can you learn deep into that specific subject, um, but you can also learn deep about everything that kind of touches it because the building blocks of life are the building blocks of life, period. End of story. Everything is built off of the exact same little pieces, including your computer and all the little electronics and your cell phone and all of that. It's all built off of the same kind of um, pieces of life. And it's super easy to just go out there, touch it and learn. Um, and I think that's I think that's the biggest thing that I took from the way my mom taught us was no matter what you can learn something and, and it's important to do that. Yeah. And like you said at the very beginning, like learning is life. Like mm -hmm. that's the big thing. And I think that anybody can embrace that, you know, that philosophy or that attitude in any situation, yeah. right. That it's not learning. Isn't something that happens to you. Yeah. It's just, and it's part totally. of existence. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, thinking back on some of the other things that I think we could have touched on a little bit harder. And I think one of the things that's really hard for homeschoolers to do is if you're not taking advantage of like a, like a single class in high school or, or something like that is realizing where your own limitations in education are. Um, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and what we know and what we don't know. Um, and, and then, and, and, trying to fill those gaps. Um, one of the biggest things for me was financial education. Um, I did not know that going into um, my adulthood. And because of that, I made some very big mistakes um, that I'm still recovering for to this day, 10 years later, right? Um, and that was things like, and I don't blame my parents for it at all. It's just never something that they, they, they taught us really. And I'm sure they'll say that they did, but they didn't teach deep enough um, at least for me, because I had some major self-control issues where I was just like, oh, I've got money, woohoo, <laughs> and not realizing how that would affect me later down in life and going, oh, great, now i got credit card debt. What am I going to do with that? Understanding compound interest and understanding all of that. And part of that is my dad worked a full-time job um, 
and, and at the time when I needed to learn that, he was working insane hours. He was working on Xbox at the time, before Xbox was Xbox, right? Back when Xbox was legitimately the code name of the thing. Uh -huh. um, so he was working 60, 70 hours. I remember days where he'd wake, uh, we'd wake up and he'd be up. Um, little later do we know, he'd actually gone to work and come back already, um, you know, to get us up and do our morning routine, read our scriptures, do all of that. He'd then go to work. He'd come back, eat dinner, put us to the bed. Next thing you know, the garage door is opening and dad's back off to work, right? That was the type of day he was living. And my mom never did finances with us. Um, it's not her cup of tea, which is perfectly fine. My dad handles all of that. But we never really learned that all that much. And, and to this day, I'm still teaching some of my siblings who are in their you know early 20s, like, this is what interest does. This is what compound interest does, right? Which are basic fundamental um, financial knowledge, right? And that's just stuff what we missed out on. And it's no fault of my parents. It's just things that we would have learned if we had gone to like a gen ed class uh, in high school, right? Or, or just a home ec class. And it's stuff like that that's really important to like some of those foundations. And, and I, I think that's really important for any, any of your listeners who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. Realize where you're weak. Like what are the hardest things for you to learn? Um, if you're not an expert in that already, find somebody who is. Um, it's okay to not know things and it's okay to pull in other people because that's, that's the other thing. Um, you know, I have a sibling who's learning, uh, how to work on cars. Um, and he wants to become a, a car mechanic, uh, for his career, which good on him, you know, trades are awesome. My dad isn't a car guy, right? And my mom really isn't a car girl, <laughs> right? So <laughs> whenever there's anything wrong with the car, whether it be, oh no, we've got a flat tire or we need to do the oil change or anything like that, we'd go down to the shop and we had a great mechanic who would do it and do that well, which is a great thing to have. But, you know, I don't know how to change the oil in my own car and I'm 28, right? Like <laughs> I should learn how to do that. And I just haven't had the time, but it's things like that, that um, often schools will kind of touch on because they have the, they have a bigger pool of teachers to pull from. Um, so they can kind of do different things uh, and, and touch on that. Um, and so I think that's the other thing you kind of need to look at and go, where, where are the holes in just general education? What is, what is the, the core fundamental life skill that I pay someone else to do for me, right? Is it because I don't have the time or is it because I don't, know the no don't, don't have the knowledge? And if you don't have the knowledge, then you need to find somebody who does so they can teach your kid that. Um, so they at least have a core understanding. And if it's because you just don't have the time, then you should try and find time to at least teach it. I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway and, and, and find where your holes are and fill them with other people who are knowledgeable. So it's interesting because you were talking about how um, the, you didn't have many opportunities to fail. Like it was like a zero to 60. But in this instance, that was definitely an opportunity to fail. Just wasn't, didn't happen at home is what it sounds like. Like you went out into the world and then failed. Yeah, where there was major consequences. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? That I'm still paying to you for this day. And I think that's the trick is finding that balance. And and when I was talking about those instances of fail, I'm talking about legitimately school life, right? And um, you know, not getting a paper in on time. Right? right? Compared to financial and you know, failure where, you know, it sets you back in life. And and I'm pretty much right now, like I'm financially very stable. Um, but it took a long time and I made some pretty big mistakes that looking back on it, you know, I could have avoided, I could have been in a much better place than I am now. Um, yeah. and, and it's trick 
the tricky part is finding the right consequences so it's impactful enough that the, that you learn but it's not so impactful that it sets you back right I and that like, it's yeah. not yeah yeah that it's not like oof you know it's going to take him 2 years to recover from that mistake right instead of yeah. uh he'll learn it'll take him a couple of weeks and it's going to hurt now while he's young cuz you know everything you know you lose $5 and you're 6 it's oh my gosh painful right um, you know, the equivalent of that would be, you know, all of a sudden getting $10,000 in debt that you weren't planning on, right? <laughs> That's a yeah. big deal um, and and way more impactful when you're trying to put food on the table. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about um, that idea of having higher stakes and then also having different people to answer to, right? Because yeah. mo- mom is mom, you know? And that's mm-hmm. something I'm just thinking of like, generationally so like i have teenagers right now like my oldest is 19 and my youngest is four i've got six kids and what yeah yeah it is our our little one is a caboose he's a six Ah, there you go (laughs) (laughs) but just what i've done over the years to give them those uh, those chances to be accountable you know to to learn how to answer to someone else and not just be me because I have some kids who they will listen to me. They will turn the thing in, you know, whatever it is. But other kids mm-hmm. are like, no, you're just mom. You know, this yeah. really doesn't matter. And just how it can look so many different ways. And just acknowledging that. And like when you were talking about like where where do you have gaps? There's a really great um like homeschool guru names Julie Bogart. She talks about triangulating and help. How, mm-hmm. you know, you just go, okay, I need help with this. Cause she always sent her kids to tutors for math. Cause she's just like, I don't do math. I don't want to do math. I'm a writer. So she just would find people and swap with them, you know, things like that. And I think that's, I think that's a misconception too, that some people think that homeschool parents do all the teaching. Yeah. Either you're on the outside looking in or you are a homeschool parent. And you're like, if I don't do all the teaching, I'm a bad homeschool mom. Which isn't so wrong. So wrong. Oh my gosh, that is so wrong. Even when I was in, even when my mom was teaching, and and my mom knew she had gaps. I don't think she knew where all of them were. Um, And that's okay. Um, Some of this, some of, some of these are, you know, Cray is just an idiot. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, But, but on, on the flip side, like we were constantly over at friends' houses who, you know, happened to be homeschooling friends, uh, especially during elementary school. Um, I went to this fantastic um, lady. She was a uh, elementary school teacher or high school teacher, something like that by trade. I don't remember exactly. Um, oldest of, uh, no, she had 12 kids, um, which was insane, wow. but she ran a like co-op, um, teaching thing where we learned about grow- her thing was history. Um, and that was not something my mom was huge into, um, at the time, uh, that's probably changed a little bit. Um, but, you know, we did Greek history, we did Roman history, we did ancient Egypt, and that was definitely an opportunity to fail, but it was early, early in my education career, so it didn't really hit home. Um, I needed something, again, this is a personal thing, I needed something at my high school age um, to really hit, because I effectively coasted through elementary school and homeschooling, at least in my opinion, and from the way I look back on it and how I feel through it. Um, I'm sure my mom would have a very different approach to that. Um, but f- so for me, 
um, I needed that that little bit more of oomph earlier. Um, yeah. I I'm very lucky in that I. I like to think I'm a little bit of above average when it comes to intelligence and how quickly I pick things up because I try really hard to be that way. Um, but what that does mean is that when I don't get something, I don't always realize I don't get it until it's too late. Um, and being in a situation where I could fail would help. Um, so that's personally, and I think that's something that you, like, as a homeschooling, homeschooling parent, you need to look at and go, where, what is, you know, is this too easy for my kid? And it may, it may just, you, know, you still can get all the information to them. They can be right on track and it can still be easy, right? Like you always hear stories about the kid in high school who's sitting there bored in class because they already know it all, right? It's not because they're bad at school. It's because they're smart. <laughs> so being able to understand that and, and try and find ways, I needed to be challenged more. Um, I needed to, to push. If you're not failing, um, it's kind of like working out, right? Until the pain starts, you're not learning, you're not, you're not growing. Um, and for me, that didn't start till I was in, you know, living alone and in college. And all of a sudden, it was really painful, um, more so than than need be. So do you feel like your siblings had similar experiences? Like, have you guys gone back and talked about that? And um, We haven't talked about it as, as siblings. I've talked to a couple of my siblings, and I, and I really don't want to put them on the spot. Um, they are not all as comfortable talking about their failures as I am, uh, which is fine. Um, but uh, I've talked to a couple of them, um, and I don't know if they come to the same conclusions as I, I would, uh, but I know – it was a shock to some of them um, all of a sudden having that responsibility um, and then not realizing where they needed to, to shore up their, their, their weaknesses. Uh, and then all of a sudden having it being brought right out into daylight. Um, but I also have a sibling who I don't think we should have changed a single thing. It was awesome for him, right? The whole process was awesome. So, you know, they and they've come out and said it, and I think my mom hinted at it, but they never wanted to go to school. And I, to be fair, I don't think they should. They, I think it was perfect for them the way that it worked out. Um, just not for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the <laughs> one telling the story, fine. So, <laughs> which yeah. is perfectly fine. It can be like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to pivot just a little bit and talk about because you talked about the struggle to find a place in your church group not yeah. really feeling like a sense of belonging there. Did you eventually have like a group of friends that you spent time with? Like it sounded like you had such a great supportive, loving family environment. Like you definitely felt belonging Still and do. support there. Yeah. yeah, 100%. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's what every homeschool parent hopes for, you know? I go so over you, every Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, yeah the last, uh, when you were interviewing my mom, I heard her interviewing with you when we were over there. We, we'd walked in on it on accident. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So my question is, did you find a friend group? Like, were you able to eventually feel like that sense of belonging mm. outside your family? Um, at times. Uh, that's a hard question. Uh, because it, friends are interesting. Like, you can call, like, acquaintances friends if you don't understand that they're not, you know, I don't know. And that's a really good thing because none of the people that I hung out with, even up through college, do I hang out with anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's, just my, dial, let's dial down just yeah. to so, 
just to that kind of like junior high, high school, because that's when the time where you feel it acutely if you don't have friends, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that, that need for friends outside your family, like intensifies and like just kind of dial into that time. Cause I mean, I have friends from high school. I never talked to, you know, like yeah. everybody yeah, does that. Sure. Everybody does that. So just I mean, looking back I'm on that experience. Think. Yeah, I did. Um, Yes and no. So my mom was awesome and started a program called Lights, which is leading you through tomorrow to through service, spelled funky. Um, uh, And basically, it was a group of homeschoolers who'd get together about every month, and we'd do either a service activity or we'd hang out at our house, which was awesome. Um, And they were friends. But looking back, actually, that's, uh, you know, now that I say that I don't hang out with him, that's actually not true. There's one, ironically, I used to date her. Um, and since then, we've both gone our separate ways and are still friends now, uh, that I still kind of touch base with every once in a while. Um, uh, she lives close by and has a kid about my child's age, so it makes sense. But um, with that being said, yeah, we had a group of like, eh, I'd probably say there was four of us. Um, two guys and two girls, uh, only two of us ever dated. Um, and then we kind of hung out for about two years and then kind of ended up going our separate ways. The problem with that was because it was homeschooled, um, we all lived really far away from each other. Um, so it meant that, um, it meant that in order to get together, A, we had to have driver's license, which not all of us did, had a car that we could borrow, which again, not all of us did, um, and then be willing to, con- you know, then being able to convince our parents to let us drive about an hour away to go hang out, right? Which is not an easy thing to do, especially when I had a job, they had jobs, it, like schedules was just really hard. Um, so that group of friends kind of was there. Um, kind of, uh, there, I mean, we had phones, so we would text and call all the time, but like, I, I didn't have anyone who I'd go hang out with very regularly at the time. Um, then later I discovered video games, um, online video games specifically. I mean, I've always been a gamer. My dad's computer worked on Xbox. Of course I played games, but like, I'm talking Starcraft and League of Legends and your younger audience will know what that is. Um, if your older audience doesn't, cause their kids are playing those games. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I, I met some really good friends that way who every once in a while will touch base with, um, and I had a decent group of friends there. The problem with that was this was back um, during the whole stranger danger over the internet kind of era, which still is a thing, but even more so back then because it was brand new and nobody understood what was going on. And right right when Facebook was becoming big, right? Um, so my parents didn't like me hanging out with them on the, on the computer. And all they saw was me on the computer all day and what they didn't get, or they might have and just not appreciated it or, or didn't want me to do that was I'd spend hours on end on the computer um, with my parent, uh, with my friends on Skype back when that was actually good um, <laughs> and playing ga- video games um, till literally all hours of the night. Um, and those were some really good friends. And and to be frank, those that's where I grew up a lot. I grew up a lot on the internet, which is funky. Um, uh, so I did. I did find some friend groups, but they weren't your traditional friend group. Um, I never hung out with my like anybody that was within walking distance of my house. 
um, or even you know a 10 minute 20 minute car ride um, so yes and no um, elementary school I had a bunch of friends because at that age clicks don't matter um, but as soon as the clicks started mattering it became a lot harder for me to find friends that were close enough that I could like actually hang out with them on a regular basis otherwise it was you know schedule it a week a week out which was great and don't get me wrong i loved every minute of hanging out with them but it was still um you know it wasn't a hey dad can you drop me over at johnny's house for 10 you know 10 minutes away it was hey i want to go over to my friend's house oh he lives an hour away so it's two hours out of my day to drive you there and back Uh, that's a lot harder to sell yeah i'm just like I'm thinking I'm comparing your experience to what my teens are going through now and just Mm -hmm. thinking about, because it's so much more common now to homeschool and like we have so many odd duck. Yeah. I was the very odd duck. Yeah. It was still pretty new. Even when my oldest was five and I was deciding to homeschool, I knew hardly anyone, you know, and that was 15 years ago. And yeah, Go ahead. And I want to be clear, like there were some of my siblings who were able to make friend groups. Um, It helped that they had in our church congregation people around the same age as them, and they came in earlier. Like I said, I either had the friend group that had grown up with each other since they were three above us, about six months above me, or the friend group that had grown up since they were three, six months below me. And then there was me smack dab in the middle of that who came in when I was 14, right? So I I, I missed out – yeah, exactly. And and I have, you know, a couple of my younger siblings, um, you know, grew up, you know, they got that experience, right, of growing up with a friend group since they were three. Um, so part of that has to do with that and nothing to do with homeschooling and, and just, you know, there you go, I'm screwed, right? Um, and it got a little bit better as I started getting into the high school, like really starting getting into high school and we were doing early morning religious studies and I kind of got a decent-ish friend group there, at least people I could kind of call friends. Um, but even that was really shaky and, and it was very conditional um, on the fact that we happened to be in the same religious class kind of thing. Um, uh, none of it was based off of like shared interests for example they were all football players and and wrestlers and if you've ever looked at me you would know instantly i am not a football player i'm not a wrestler i was a soccer runner you know that type of guy who's like oh let's do you know geeky things and and play soccer (laughs) and they're all like let me go hit people i'm like no thanks i have no desire to do that um (laughs) so like that like like i said very thing but like my youngest sibling um is a dancer uh and did high school dance um, and she had a decent friend group there, um, even though she was being homeschooled through that that period of time. Um, I never did any high school sports. Um, I thought about it and wanted to do it, but at the time just didn't make sense, so I didn't do it. If I had done that, that might have changed things, but back then it was so political. I mean, it is still today. It was so political. I don't think it would have ever really worked out. So that's the other thing. It's just it's hard. Well, I was just wondering, because you're saying that one of the pros is you didn't have to deal with any of the cliques in the school uh, area was so cliquish. Yes but- and no. Yes and no. I mean, it would have been nice to be in one of them. <laughs> right? Um, like, but I also bad been- if you're not in them. If you're in a yeah, clique, right? it's, it's totally fine. <laughs> it's great. Um, so yes and no. Uh, I mean, part of the issue with the cliques is, yeah, I didn't have to deal with being in a clique and, and, and owning up, you know, being cool. Right. Um, I could kind of go do my own thing. And, and I eventually just embraced being the odd duck. 
um and just went you know what fine if i'm gonna be the odd duck i'm gonna really be the odd duck and i'm just gonna go do what i want to do um uh but that took a while for me to a realize that was an option and b be okay with it yeah the confidence yeah like that that was really hard so did that get better in college like did you find friends and roommates um uh, no Uh, it got worse in college to be honest uh but I'm, eh, I would not put that to homeschooling. I would put that I made a bad decision in the college I went to. Um, I met my wife at Running Start. Um, and, you know, I in English 101, first day of school, like not even kidding, super cheesy. Um, oh, that's romantic. Although, what are you talking about? That's like uh, rom-com material. I was the odd weird guy uh, that she had won nothing to do with. It took me over two years to get her convinced her like, for me, it was instant head over heels. For her, it took her two years to realize I even was, you know, a thing. Um, <laughs> she'd, she'd say it different. We were um, paper buddies for a while. Uh, she learned about my horrible spelling and, and grammar. Um, <laughs> made fun of me for it. Um, ironic, I communicate for a living now. Um, but uh, um, I, so uh, I, went, I went there. We dated. Uh, I had a decent friend group there. Um, during that, and I kind of consider that the start of my college career. It was okay, but I was I was mooching off her friend group is really what was happening, um, and you know, literally tagging along her heels and learning how to play piano and guitar because that'll impress the girls. Learning French because <laughs> that'll impress girls. It won't, by the way. Bad idea. We started dating um, right as we finished college, um, and I mean, I instantly knew from that moment like mm, there's probably never going to be another girl for me, um, and I decided. To super, we both got accepted to the same in-state college, um, but I decided to go to a religious college um, in Hawaii, uh, which was a mistake on my part um, for a couple of reasons. A, I discovered I didn't believe in the religion anymore when I got there, which was very traumatic um, and very hard to deal with on my own because I have no family in Hawaii. Yeah, um, and then on and then on top of that, um, dealing with a two to three hour dependent on daylight savings time because Hawaii doesn't follow it. Um, time difference between me and, you know, the woman I'm literally head over heels for um, was extremely depressing. Um, and then watching what little friends I had in Hawaii, you know, pair off and go on dates and, and do all of that. Uh, when I literally was just like, oh, great. Well, I can't wait to be able to, you know, my wife and I would do Skype dates where we'd watch TV, which is cute and romantic and all, but, um, also very lonely, um, right? It's one of those things where if you're only gone for a couple months or, or a couple of weeks, doable. Um, we did it for about three years. Oh, um, that, that was really, really hard. It was really hard. However, on the flip side of it, our relationship is extremely strong because of that, um, uh, if that makes sense. Um, but on the flip side, you know, 18 year old me was extremely homesick, extremely um, lovesick and just not having a good time. Um, I was also on campus at the time, uh, living on campus, which was a mistake as well. But I didn't know that at the time um, because it was really uh, it felt really oppressive and depressing. Um, I I, last quarter uh, or semester, I can't remember what it was. uh, I moved off and that made it a little bit better. Uh, And I (laughs) got the it was it was great. Actually, uh, my roommate was gay. Um, very out, flamboyantly gay, um, which was a very stark contrast to very conservative you know, religious school. Um, and for me, that was exactly what I needed. 
um because it gave me the it gave me somebody who i could i could talk to about what i was going through because they had gone through the same thing only a little bit more extreme um and it gave me it gave me somebody who i knew wouldn't judge me um and as much as my parents, and I want to be very clear, I, my parents knew very quickly from the get-go I was not having a great time, um, and I was very upfront and confront, you know, told them right away. They knew what was going on, but they were two to three hours away uh, on a six-hour plane ride, um, so that was really hard. Like I couldn't confide in them really, and at the time I was still really worried about what they would think. Um, but having that roommate who I could confide in and. I can't tell you how many late night conversations we'd have just going like, I don't know how I can get through this. And he was like, you can buckle in, you can do it. You know, think about who's on the other side. Um, that, that seriously saved me because I was seriously depressed in, in college. And that's probably going to be a shock to my parents when they hear this. Um, but it was, it, it got really dark um, for me. But I don't think that has anything to do with homeschooling. I think that has everything to do with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of your journey, right? Like you yeah. ended up... You, it wasn't the right fit for you at this school. And I, no, and I read in your bio, <laughs> um, and I read in your bio too, how you didn't finish either. You went home, you Mm-mm. left early, right? No, I left early. Yeah. I didn't, I do not have a four year degree. I have a two year, um, but I don't have a four. And I think that's the other thing. Um, this is not my parents thing, but one of the things I think homeschooling, if you're homeschooling your child, um, it's really important to lay out all of the options, um, and my mom will 100% disagree with this, and that's perfectly okay. But from my point of view, the only option was college. Um, there was no other option. Um, for me, I think that actually was the right decision, um, but not for everybody. Um, and it's really important. That's part of just the issue we have in society today, um, that college is the only option, which is just straight up not true. No, it's um, really not. My career is not tied to my degree. Um, if I would have finished my degree, it has some relation to what I what I do for a living, but in all reality, it doesn't. And the amount of people I know in my industry, uh, I do tech recruiting, um, who don't have a degree that's related to tech at all or communication at all is staggering. Um, and I think that's the important thing is you know, find what you love, really find people to talk to about what you want to do and have your kids do that. Have your kids go out and be like, what do you want to do? Like learn about different career paths. I didn't know recruiting was a thing until about a year before I did it. Right. Like it's, it's, it makes sense now. Like, Oh, they've got to have them. But before then, like it didn't make any sense to me. Um, but it has nothing to do with my degree. I could have done this off a high school degree. Um, and been just as successful. Yeah. And I think that the idea that college is the only option, like it's a generational paradigm, right? Like that's how I was raised that, you know, and I'm a good, like 14, 15 years older than you, but it was like, you can only go to college. Like that's the only option, or you can get a trade or you can join the military. Those are your three choices, you know? And, and and that, yeah, yeah, totally. And that was ours as well. It was, uh, but ours was just college. And I don't, and like I said, don't, uh, this isn't on my mom. I don't think she meant it this way, but that was just what it felt like. Right. Um, you know, we, like I said, we grew up in an extremely 
white middle class neighborhood where everybody you know you'd go three or four houses down and you go yep microsoft amazon google right yeah. um and and there wasn't the yeah the guy three blocks down he, he he's a car mechanic right or the guy you know you know on the other side of the neighborhood that guy you know he runs a lawn care business like th there was none of that or at least we didn't know it because we just didn't you know we grew up in a you know we didn't have that white picket fence neighborhood where all the kids played around that was the other thing is when we when we were growing up in um element elementary school all of our neighbors had older kids um so we didn't have any kids our age in the just neighborhood really that we could hang out with nothing to do with my parents just part of the growing up we just didn't have a lot of kids that were in close just the, was um, the situation just happened yeah to be just that the situation, situation. Yeah. However, there were a couple families that were in somewhat close of a writing distance that we could go hang out with. Um, then they moved to Utah <laughs> and that ruined that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was just, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you decide not to finish. What were you majoring in while you were at college? I was majoring in uh, business management uh, with a infinite emphasis on marketing. Okay. So you decide to leave. Probably it sounds like because you're pretty miserable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so why did you, if you're still kind of in that paradigm of college is the only option, why didn't you like transfer to, to a different college? Were you just kind of like going to. I'm fed up? No, I was going to. That was my plan. Um, my plan was come home, get a summer job, uh, reset my life and go to the college my wife was going to. Um, that was my plan. Uh, I got a summer job, uh, turned into a full-time gig. Um, I was making pretty good money for my age at the time. It wasn't great money, um, but it was good enough. Um, and then I got married, um, when my wife graduated, uh, and she wanted to go to grad school and she knew exactly what she wanted to do. And I didn't, um, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, but when your wife knows exactly what she wants to do, it's what she's been preparing her entire life since she was like 16 to do, um, and the next step for her is grad school. We couldn't put both of us through college. That just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I just kept working. Um, so I hopped a bunch of different jobs. Uh, I did. So I started my career as a implementation engineer for a small startup, which sounds way fancier than it was. Okay. Well, so you'll um, have to interpret that for me. <laughs> like, uh, you'll I, implement things? Yeah, kind of. Uh, so it's a small software company doing quote and proposal software um, for like uh, IT. Um, and I built the form generation side of things. So I played in a basically publisher style file with tags and stuff. Um, I was computer literate and knew enough about the way a computer works to understand it well enough um, kind of situation. So I did that until uh, I didn't. Uh, I left and tried car sales for a while. Worst decision I ever made. Uh, um uh, and then I did debt collection for about a year and a half, um, collecting on federal student debt, which is a brutal job. Um, but I was, uh, it was uh, yes and no. I mean, the, I was asking people to pay five bucks a month, so it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sitting here asking people to, you know, break the bank. Uh, not wasn't it wasn't a, um, a consumer debt. Consumer debt's awful, and they are like literally loan sharks. Um, but federal student loan debt, not that bad, uh, but it's still not fun. Um, and it's still very brutal. And you get home from days after hearing some of these stories from people, uh, and you're just, 
like you come home and there's days where I just broke down. Um, so I was doing that for a while. And then I, uh, I got season tickets to the Sounders while I was uh, doing implementation engineer, uh, local soccer team here in Seattle. Um, and I sat next to a guy who, you know, uh, he and I started talking. He is a, uh, he was a tech recruiter, um, working for a small agency. Um, so knew, got to know him for about a year and a half or so. Um, and then eventually, literally his words were, I got sick and tired of hearing you complain about your job. So he turns to me and goes, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing you complain. I can get you a better job doing tech recruiting. You have the chops, you know, tech, and you can obviously have tough conversations with people because you're doing debt collection. Right. Um, so, you know, just, just come do tech tech recruiting so he got me a job at tech recruiting i actually took a pay cut could to go do it off the off the beat but it was a it was a bigger guaranteed paycheck because doing debt collection you get paid commission right uh, and same with um uh same with uh uh doing com- doing uh, recruiting if you're doing it for an agency like i was at the time um but i was able to get convince them to give me a bigger base salary um than i was getting at the uh at the at the collection agent, so I only lost out on like a thousand bucks a month, which isn't that much. Not big, not a thousand bucks a year wasn't wasn't that big of a deal. I was about to say a thousand dollars a month sounds like a lot. Thousand dollars a month but... is a lot. I misspoke. I apologize. Um, <laughs> no, no, okay. So I so I did that um, and kind of just fell in love with it. Um, it it fits me better. I can still have the fun conversations on the phone. I'm I'm giving people jobs rather than taking their money. I love giving people money. That's way more fun. <laughs> um, uh, and then I was able to kind of slowly morph that. I ha- I took uh, I did a stint at Amazon. Um, worked at Amazon for a while. Um, as as great as that was, I also hated it at the same time. But <laughs> yeah. that's a different story. But um, I've heard I've heard mixed things about working for Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, it's very dependent on things, and it didn't land out well for me. But I ended up rolling that into a, a great job. I've been working at, at my current company for about a year and a half. Um, was able to poach my dad from his company and have them come work for us, which was really cool. Um, and you know absolutely loving it but yeah that's kind of my career story i don't know how we got there but um oh it's interesting because i mean this is this is the kind of stuff that people who have you know six-year-olds who are homeschooled (laughs) they're just wondering what's life gonna look like for them and like what what i make a really yeah i mean i make a really good a really good living i'm well above um well above average for the for the area um, you know, my wife and my wife works for, for the school district and, and, you know, we could probably live off of only one of our salaries. So we're in a really good spot right now. So I think that's kind of the big thing is like, just cause you're, you don't go to college or just cause your kid is homeschooled, that doesn't cap anything. It really doesn't. Um, I've heard, you know, I've heard people when they heard I was homeschooled, they're like, wow, how did you get here? It's like, cause I just worked hard. Like it's not hard. You just do your thing. Everyone can get here. Um, and so yeah, it's. You know, college isn't the end-all be-all. None of the jobs that I have relied on anything I did in college. So tell me a little bit about your wife. It's Alicia, right? Yeah, Alicia. Yeah, so she's, Um, what was her education path? Yeah, her education path, traditional. Um, She did elementary school at public school. Then she went to local high school here. She also did running start, so kind of traditional, I guess. Um, But a lot of people do that here in Seattle, uh, in the Seattle area. It's not that uncommon. Yeah, it's Um, pretty common. So she also, 
yeah, so she also did running start, um, going to the local community college where we met, like I said. Um, then she went off to a local state college, got her undergrad in um, speech language pathology and early childhood and a minor in early childhood education, um, and then went off and got her graduates, uh, her master's um, in speech language pathology, got her all of her certificates, and now works for a local um a local company here. She's been doing that for about a year and a half now. Yeah, That's we both cool. kind of ironically got our current jobs at about the same time. Oh, fun. I bet that was a big celebration. That's a good year for you guys. Yeah, especially since I had just gotten laid off from Amazon due to budget cuts, what was great fun. Uh, and ah. had been unemployed for about two months. And then she got a job for about she was she's she's had her job for about two months longer than I have. But yeah, it was it was good when we finally got both things to line up well. Both working. That's a good yeah. thing. So she's a, is she a speech, speech pathologist then? Is that what she does? She is. Speech language pathology. Yeah. She's a speech therapist for the local school district. She works at one of the local elementary schools, about Very two cool. minutes away from our house. Very which cool. Is perfect. Very cool. Our and you're apartment. saying she knew, she knew exactly what she wanted to do from the time she was a teen. She's known from the moment. Yeah. Um, I floated around all over the place. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Well, then it's kind of nice to have be partners with somebody who does know, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know now, but. Yeah. Well, but I had never known this was even an option. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this was an option until I went to a Sounders game um, and met the guy sitting next to me. He's like, oh, wow, you do that? That's cool. Which, um, by the way, that? that's that's hilarious that you can get a job just by complaining. Like, that's amazing. Like, some, uh, I mean, some... I still had to interview for it. Don't get me I wrong. I know. I'm just teasing uh, you. I'm just thinking they... about my kids listening to this and going, maybe complaining would actually actually work maybe i should try that <laughs> uh it depends no, on who no. you complain to uh but more importantly more importantly we were friends first oh yeah absolutely um, i'm sure that, you made a good impression on him that's really <laughs> yeah. what it came down to is that you were making a good impression and that is what got you a job not a certificate no exactly and that's i think the key thing is you know hard work and you know you know putting your putting your mind to something pays dividends yeah Hard work, really. Like, that's what yeah. it boils down to, right? Putting yep. in the hard work. 100%. 100%. So your mom is like this amazing unit study homeschool mom. And yeah. and I asked her, like, what are some of her favorites? What were some of your favorites? Well, uh, Lewis and Clark was a good one. Um, wasn't my? It's not my top, though. Um, uh, my top would probably have to be aerospace when we did aerospace. Um, and now, now I want to preface saying Lewis and Clark is definitely number two um and it's really close but i really liked aerospace but that's partially because um i gotta fly an airplane doing what um and and, and here's the other thing that you can kind of get from homeschooling i don't know any of my um of my friends who were public sold who got to fly an airplane when they were 14 Oh my gosh, cool. Right? Like, how cool is that? Um, and it was a legitimate airplane, prop propeller, fixed wing, everything. Uh, but we were doing aerospace. We were studying the White Brothers. It was right around the 100-year mark um, uh, in 2003-ish, around there, um, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Um, and we uh, we were studying airplane, and we had a friend who was a pilot. Um, and 
kind of the the capstone because whenever we did unit studies, my mom would always kind of we'd learn about a subject and we'd slowly build upon that knowledge and then we'd capstone it with something. Lewis and Clark chip being the capstone to the Lewis and Clark one, building a pond in our backyard, which was so much fun. That's probably number three for me. Um, was you know the capstone to to our botany unit study, right? Um, but the capstone for aerospace. Um, and whether she tacked that on as well, but the aerospace is the one I cared about. Was we'd go to an air uh, an airport, uh, a local airport with this guy who had a small prop plane, and we all go up and fly in it. Um, and the idea was he would take us up and fly, and he'd show us how all the controls work. But we weren't actually supposed to be flying the airplane. I mean, at the time I was in Belly Boy Scouts, um, and we were. And the way my mom always did it is, and this is a great way to do it if you're in Boy Scouts, is to tack on a unit study along with a merit badge, right? Um, so not only did we do an aerospace um, uh, unit study, but I got my aviation merit badge at the same time, um, which was really cool. But the capstone to that was um, we'd go up and we'd go fly uh, and go up in a small airplane, and he'd take all of us up for one or two times. And he takes us up, and he goes, hey, Craig, you want to – and I'm sitting in the front seat. My dad's in the back. My dad had no idea this was going to happen. And he goes, hey, Craig, put your hands on the on the, on the the steering wheel. And he's sitting there holding it, right? So I'm like, okay, cool, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I kind of like very tightly put it. He's like, no, 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 grab it. I was like, okay, fine. He, I grab it. He goes, okay, put your feet on the on the, on the the pedals. Like, okay. He, and then he's sitting there showing me how everything works, right? And he's like, okay, now pull up and pull down. And then eventually I look over and while he's telling me to do all this, and he's not touching the, the flight controls. <laughs> He, he didn't say anything. He just took him away. And he's like, yeah, you're, you've been flying for the past five minutes. And my dad is – he's sitting literally right behind me, so he can't see this. And he goes, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like – he's like, what? <laughs> so I'm sitting there flying around. He's like, yeah, you've been flying us for the past five minutes. You're doing great. You want to land us? Oh, my gosh. Like, and, and to be fair to him, he tongue-in-cheek said that one. There was no way he was letting me land Okay, it. good. He, I'm like, what? He scared 13-year-old me quite a bit on that one. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got to fly an airplane and like, I don't know who, who else gets to do that when they're 13 or 14 years old. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, for me, that was why that was probably my favorite one is it, the capstone was awesome. I don't think any of my other siblings, A, remember that or B, think that was that cool. But for 13 year old me, that was like the coolest thing I had ever done. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, your, your mom is kind of the queen of like finding all these people <sighs> or, you know, just the story she had of people she could find. And my only worry about when I publish that is that people will think that's what you need to do in order to homeschool. You have to no, like... it isn't. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing. And, and for anybody who's listening, like that isn't what makes homeschooling. the. Th uh, it is what makes homeschooling great, but it's not what needs to be right. That's not that's not normal. Um it came down and the reason it happened is this friend um uh, they were an older couple um and we called them aunt and uncle they basically adopted us as their grandkids because they had no kids of their own um so that's part of it like they really knew us i you know we'd hung out with this person for years so that's part of it um but like it doesn't that's not that's not what makes homeschooling the end all be all it's what's really cool about it you can do things like that that no one else gets to do but what makes homeschooling great is you can turn anything into a learning opportunity and tie it into your normal everyday education like we go out and um you know my mom told the story about me learning how to read and harry potter um 
part of the reason I wasn't reading all that much is I needed glasses at the time. Oh, <laughs> we didn't yeah. know that. So that was part of it. Um, but that, that and it was about the same time that that all happened is that I needed glasses. Uh, and I didn't like wearing them at the time. Um, ironically, I'm wearing glasses because literally Thursday I'm going in for LASIK. So excited. Um, oh, yeah. But <laughs> they finally called me back and got that schedule now that the uh, the, the lockdown's starting to lift um, during COVID. But um, uh, but I needed glasses, uh, part of that. And the other thing is I turned into a voracious reader. I'd read everything that I could get my hands on. I can't tell you how many boxcar children stories I read. And here's the thing, like those books, um, while like factually are not all that accurate, they spark some of the most interesting learning opportunities I had. I would, uh, we had a huge backyard um, in elementary school. And then we, when we moved to our new house, where my parents are still at, it was a very wooded backyard. Um, like my mom likes to call it the back 40 because um, it's just woods. Um, and my siblings and I would go out there and play survival all the time. We'd build forts. We'd build things. You know, going to scout camp, I was the kid who did the wilderness survival merit badge for the fifth time in a row because it was just fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that that came from my voracious appetite to just read anything and everything I get my hands on. I still to this day have a um, voracious appetite to read stories. Um, now I don't read very often cause I just don't have the time. So I listen to audiobooks. audible best thing ever. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Worth every oh, yeah. penny. Well, you know, um, our, our house, we call it either eye reading or ear reading. Cause yeah. it's, both of them are reading just, you're using different senses to read, you know, and, and just here's, consume, yeah. you know, just consume and, and the here's stories. What I'd say to any parent who their child is having an issue reading, um, it's not because of the stories. I promise you the stories are interesting. It's because they're probably having a problem comprehending um, and ear, ear reading, like you said, which is a great way to put it, is a great way to spark imagination um, and a great way to get people interested. Um, I, I, it's one of those things that I, to this day, I, I listen to Brandon Sanderson on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Um, Freaking love him. Yeah, uh, he's Brent amazing. Weeks. Brent Weeks is great, but I'll, I'll tell you now, if you're uh, a little squeamish, don't read him. Uh, okay, his, they're a little real. They're a little, little real, but oh my gosh, his books are so good and his worlds are so beautifully built. And to that day, to that day, um, my siblings and I play a weekly D&D game um, because of our growth for learning and, and reading, we play weekly together. That's um, so and that's something, and that's something like I have friends who, um, they would never do that with their siblings because their siblings are just siblings. My siblings were classmates. My siblings were friends um, still to this day. I don't see eye to eye with them a lot, um, but we, we continually like we're constantly playing video games together to this day. We play D and D. In fact, we've got a D and D session here in a couple days um, where my little brother's running it, which is awesome. He's building such a cool world, but he's doing that because he grew up reading books he grew up just devouring Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Brandon Sanderson um, and all of these fannies, bo- fantasy things, boxcar children, um, the Hardy Boys, um, you know, all of these interesting mystery books that kind of lay out critical thinking skills and problem solving skills. That's learning. Oh, my gosh, that's learning. And, and I am sure there were times where my mother had – I plans for us to go and do a thing, but she'd see us and look and go, all four of them are reading a book. 
that's good enough, yep. right? And you can learn so much from that. You can learn interpersonal you know, skills. If it's a good writer, you can learn how to interact with people. Um, a lot of those books don't age very well, um, you know, especially if they're set in the 50s. Um, <laughs> there's definitely some social concepts that don't really make sense anymore. So you know, keep that in mind. Um, but, but it makes that. for good conversations too, though, you know, like it does. Yeah. You know, to be able to say, look how they talked about people here, you know, let's talk about that. Like, it's just an yeah. opportunity to have a great discussion. And, and it's so contrast to what literally is going down right now in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, we're literally, uh, you know, you know, for your listeners, this is being recorded during all of the, all of the riots and, and protests that have been going on, uh, due to, um, uh, with George the, Floyd. Yeah, the George Floyd yeah. murder. Um, and and it's things like, for me, that was never that never made sense because we grew up in a world for my mom, um, who did a really really good job of instilling a very open mind, right? Like she talked about the baseball unit study that we did, um, and it really was a like, why didn't they let him play? He was the best. Like, why would you not want the best on your team? Right. Like that doesn't make sense. It was really cool because we were learning about baseball. My mom didn't time it this way, but we were learning our baseball unit study right as the Mariners, um, our local team, had their 2001 season. Um, so for us, it was just one of those things. I don't know if you know anything about baseball, but that was 116 game wins, which was a record at the time in history. Right. Like we were literally watching history being made as we were watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary. Oh my gosh! Talk about a great documentary. If you if you have the time uh, and you haven't watched it, I highly suggest watching it because it's a really good piece on the social, uh, the, the what baseball meant to the world and what it can still mean. Very cool. Um, I'll add it to my list. Yeah, it's huge. It, it's fantastic. Um, but it's one of those things like. Um, it legitimately was a like why like that doesn't make sense and that's when we went into the whole slavery thing started learning about the civil war uh, and it just opened my eyes which is and, and it, it just it changed the way i viewed the world um to this day yeah no it, it's fantastic and that's what's cool about homeschooling one of the other cool things about homeschooling is that she could pivot on a dime to our interests right like i don't know during our elementary school time if we were ever like um uh reading or or learning about something that we weren't really interested in because it was having to do with things that are going on like the reason we did the botany study when we did is my mom wanted to redo the garden right or we wanted to put in a pond so we learned botany because you know why not it ties in directly with that totally um uh you know uh lewis and clark the centennial was coming up works perfect um and then the whole time we were doing the centennial she was leading us up to this big trip and she goes we'll go visit there when we do our trip right so she was talking about things so when we'd go visit them they were real we could go in there and physically touch it physically explore it and that's just something you can't do in a public school setting right um we did so many vacations during you know school sessions basically right yeah. where you know we were literally the only ones that were going to do it and because of it, it was cheap right like we were off season it was awesome <laughs> like we did the centennial the year before the centennial so they had everything already prepared they were preparing for all of that were practicing and my mom wasn't my mom wasn't kidding when we were sitting there correcting the uh you know the tour guides <laughs> right because they were still learning it but we had just learned it, it was fantastic it was so cool 
That sounds so you know, we cool. did We did a geology unit study and then went to Yellowstone, right? And we're actually planning to go back to Yellowstone here in July. Um, and it's going to be really cool going back there with all of that background knowledge. And I'm, I'm super excited to see what did I retain and what can I recall now that I'm in my, you know, it's been over 10 years. So I don't know what I'll recall because things go away, especially when it's something I don't use daily. But, yeah. you know. That's what's cool about doing those unit style unit study style things is you can plug things in and you know math we we're learning statistics and and, and uh, you know when we we're doing base, baseball we were doing statistics and math and we were doing um, aviation and space when we we're learning about all that it was where all the fit, physics come in because that is that is flight is physics and lift and drag and yaw and how does that all react and how does an airplane react in the wind and aerodynamics and all of that right. Um, you know, you can do all that. Like I'm huge into Formula One now, um, primarily because of that, because it kind of has that still aerodynamic kind of science behind all of that. And because of the way my mom taught us is when you get interested in something, just dive, read, learn everything you can about it. You know, I did that with the Formula One and I won't shut up about it with my, my wife. She drives her nuts. <laughs> She's sitting here shaking her head at me. <laughs> but it's uh, but it's that unit study style of learning that did it for me. Um, and, and part of that, and to be frank, part of that's probably why I didn't enjoy college all that much is because it wasn't interesting. I was sitting there learning and it's just like, okay, great economics. Okay, great. But how does this apply? Right. How does macro and microeconomics, how does that actually, how does that get implemented? You know, you take that into the the case of like, let's learn about the great depression. Right. Now you've got a, now you've got a scene that you can set and you can apply all these things to, and you can play around in that space. Um, And it makes sense, especially for a really young adventurous mind Um, when, you know, giving them that place to play learning becomes play and that's huge that's absolutely huge and i think that's a fault in our public school system um and that's why when my my daughter goes i'm going to try very hard to make sure that there's still that fun play aspect when she's home um it's why i don't think home it's why i don't think homework is a good thing i never really had it when i was a kid because our homework was to go play right and you know We'd learn about physics because all of a sudden you jump off the swing and guess what? You learn about how momentum carries through and, you know, you know, when you hit something, all your momentum hurts, right? You learn about it. It's real. Um, and she'd take opportunities like that to learn about it. Like it was, you know, it, and that's what was really cool is every opportunity is a learning opportunity. What's really cool, too, is I think about how she was so great at, like you said, pivoting and then mm-hmm. doing a deep dive Right. And now you're describing to me how you get you, you know, obsessed with Formula One and road biking and all these things that that ability to really dive deep into something. That's something you've carried on in your, you know, and like something I talk about a lot when I talk to other moms or and I've talked about on this podcast is just that the desire to want to learn. Right. That love of learning. That's mm-hmm. the thing I feel like if I can teach my kids to love to learn and then to feel like they are empowered to teach themselves, I've succeeded. It doesn't really matter what subject we never covered. Like if you yeah. know how to learn, you love to learn, you're going to figure it out. You're going to fill the gaps. And I think part of that, though, is she didn't. And I'm sure she meant to do it, too. Like, I don't think this was a happy accident, um, but it was never she never let on what she was doing. Um, she always just put it in the background. Um, I am sure she did this on purpose, but she'd leave books around, right? We'd be in the oh, middle yeah. of a unit study and she'd just leave a book around. She'd leave a book on the table. 
Oh, that's a classic always, mom. That's a classic mom oh, 100%. move. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. It, it totally was, and every single time it was a book right around my reading level. Imagine that, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And it always had to do with something that we were learning at the time. Um, but she never would force us. To, very. I mean, that's not true. She 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 sometimes would because sometimes you gotta you know. Hey, I'm sorry. You gotta learn this. Um, but you know, she would leave things off. Um, she was brilliant during our unit studies at finding ways to stop teaching on a cliffhanger, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're big into TV, but like those cliffhangers uh, drive me nuts. Like I'm oh, watching yeah. The Rookie right now and it ended on a cliffhanger and I'm like, girl, come on. Talking about, um, you know, talking about going back to the aviation and, um, you know, the White Brothers and, you know, did they fly? Obviously they did. And we all knew that. But, you know, right is saying, okay, and, and tomorrow we're going to talk about their first flight. It's just, but why can't we do that now? Like, that's the exciting part, right? She would build it up like, okay, we got to learn all this stuff before we can talk about the flight, before I can show you this video. And then all of a sudden, boom, she just leave it. Right. But what that would do is it would make us curious. So we go learn it on our own and then we wait for her to teach it and say, OK, did it match what we picked up? Right. Like what was wrong? And there were times where she I'm pretty sure she teach us wrong on purpose. Right. To see if we'd learned it. Right. <laughs> would she call so us sneaky. out? <laughs> oh, my God. I 100 percent guarantee you she did that. Um, right. It's like, oh, Mom, that's not right. Oh, really? Show me. Right. And we'd show her. She's like, oh, wow, you're right. I'm like, oh, come on. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, mom, you do. Like, there's no, <laughs> his, there's no way. Um, and that's like, but, but that's so key for an early mind to like want to learn and to really want that growth opportunity. Um, and again, when I started going to college, that disappeared um, because it was no longer exciting. Right. It was now a job. If that makes sense, it was now, oh, great. I got to go to class. I got to learn. Oh, great. I'm going to get a bunch of homework. That's busy work. Oh, boy. That's boring. Right. Yeah. Um, but the way my mom would do it in doing those unit studies, it was just exciting. It was interesting. Um, and, and, and there was moments in college that were like that. Like I did a geology class in college. I freaking aced that class. I have no desire to be a geologist at all. But I aced that thing because it was interesting. And the teacher's love for the subject and the way she taught was like a unit study. It was one of those things. I'm back in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right? Like why can't all classes be like this? Where it was, you know, she would teach around a subject. She's like, okay, so see this volcano burning up? Like, let's really dig down into it. Like, what's causing all of these things? And it was just exciting. Um, and then I'd go to my history class, and he would just drone on about history. And then on this date, blah, 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 blah happened, right? And then I found a podcast. Um, no, sorry, you got me going now. Um, but you, <laughs> I found a podcast called The History of Rome. Look it up. If you want to learn history, the history of Rome is Best, it literally, it's just called the history of Rome, and it's this guy who, for a college, um, college assignment, did like this beginning origins of literally the city Rome, and it turned into this like five year project of his, where he literally went from the beginning, like mytho mythological beginning of Rome, to the fall of Rome, right around when the Byzantine Empire took over, right? And if your listeners don't know, the Byzantine Empire is effectively what. Rome turned into when yeah. the Western Roman Empire fell apart. The Eastern Empire stayed around and it turned into the Byzantine Empire, right? Um, but he goes through that whole thing and the way he did it 
just was so reminiscent of the way my mom taught. It wasn't about the dates. It was about the stories and about the impact. And it was about how things would, would impact things. And he wasn't afraid to jump timelines a little bit to give context. Right. It was like, okay. And what I'm just talking about here is going to play in effect when, you know, Julius Caesar becomes emperor because he uses this exact thing to become emperor. Right. And when I was listening to the exact same period of time in my history class, there was no mention of that. Right. There was no callback. There was no foreshadowing. They didn't bring that up. It wasn't a story. It was just a list of dates. It was a list of events, which history is in all reality. That's what it is. But what it really is, is it's a story. And being able to tell that real life story is just fascinating. I don't know if you guys have, if you've watched Tiger King. I haven't um, yet. I mean, I've documentary. seen all the memes, but I haven't oh my watched it. Gosh, but you're watching Tiger King and you're just like, this has to be a story, but it's real life. And I can guarantee you there's a way for the producers to make that boring, but they chose to make it interesting. Right. And I think that's the key to teaching anybody and specifically children. And that that's really key in, in homeschooling is just growing and, and, and making sure that growth is interesting. And that's what unit studies do. Um, and that's what learning in that way. And that's what homeschooling can do compared to all my friends who are literally sitting there having to repeat math tables. That's so, boring. So I'm sitting here Gosh, trying to sucks. think of, I'm trying to think of like where, like, how do you make it interesting? And I, I'm just thinking about those difference in college professors, how that geology professor professor obviously has this tremendous mm -hmm. excitement and love for the material. And when you have like a mentor who is like, just so excited about what it is they're going to teach what a difference that changes makes. everything yeah, yeah and same, and that totally applies to homeschool too you know if you've got a mom who's like well i guess i gotta check all the boxes i gotta do all the things all right i say mom but any parent right any yeah. homeschooling caregiver it's to me anyway i feel a lot more compelled to teach and like we don't do unit studies but we do definitely like project or child-led or interest-led is what we mm -hmm. tend to call it. And I totally pursue things that I find fascinating because it's going to yeah. make me a better mentor in the process because I'm it excited. Makes, yeah, it makes it super exciting to learn. But the trick is you still have to balance that out with everything else because just because you don't find it exciting doesn't mean it's not important. Right, right, right. right. And then if you don't find it exciting, why? You yeah. Know, maybe because you have And find someone who does. Yeah. And then, and then find somebody who does. Like writing my mom – Eh, eh, does and does not find it exciting, right? And like she was talking about, it just got to the point where she couldn't teach me anymore about it. So she found somebody who got it exciting, who who was exciting. I enjoyed those classes. I hate writing, by the way. I hate it. I I to this day, even though I do it for a living, I hate it. But she made it exciting, and it was something that I could get around. Yeah, well, it right? doesn't, yeah, um, well, because the mentor is excited doesn't mean that this is now the thing you're always going to do, right? But it yeah. it will affect how you go by learning it and how you go about experiencing it yep 100 percent, 100 percent. i just looked up that podcast <laughs> the history of rome, rome. Yeah. yeah i'm like i'm looking up this is amazing the first episode was recorded in july uh, 2007 i didn't even yep. know podcasts existed in 2007 that's amazing. <laughs> yeah they kind of barely did but no it's uh, my dad turned me on to that podcast and it is just fascinating absolutely fascinating that's the other thing um both my parents were heavily involved in our education um, as much as they, as much as my dad could be. Um, he was involved every moment of every day. Um, he did all the sciencey related stuff um, because my mom 
wasn't as good at that and that was something he really enjoyed so he would do that um and he was actively involved in our education as much as he possibly could be um you know and you know we would take every opportunity to make sure that both of them were involved and that was super key because we always felt like both both our parents were in the room always approachable uh, and that kind of thing the trick the 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 problem with that though um is that the and this is kind of where i'm going back to part of the the detriment of being homeschooled is that line between parent and teacher gets blurred um and sometimes you need to have that line you need to have that difference um and when you're in a situation where your parents are your teachers that can get really blurry at times yeah um and it's something that i've talked to my parents about of you know even to this day i still feel judged by them and and this is nothing to do with them and they're gonna you know they'll say no it's not true but it is because um you know for the for a good portion of my life they legitimately were right like that's kind of as a teacher you kind of have to right did the person learn this did they not where did i you know where can i help um and that's that's really tricky and i think some of my siblings are 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 struggling with that um as they're going through college right now um where they need a parent not a teacher and my mom hasn't quite and nothing this is nothing to do with her and everything to do with just it's hard right to to turn the teacher off and turn into the parent um, because that never was the, the way when we were growing up, we were always learning. And that was the other thing is, you know, always, we were legitimately always learning and there was always a learning opportunity. Um, which also meant that mom was always teacher and teacher was always mom. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Just thinking about that, you know, how now when your siblings just need a parent, and not a teacher that that would be a hard hat to take off, you know, not to, to step out of that role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then my mom went into, to physical training. Um, and you know, to be unfortunately fair, none of us siblings are, you know, particularly fit anymore. Um, (laughs) so now she's turned into the physical training teacher, right? So there's still that concept of like, okay, mom, like, yeah, we know. Uh, I put on 20 pounds because I have a kid and I'm not eating as healthy as I could. That's why I picked up road cycling, right? Um, so it's kind of one of those things that it's just, you know, every once in a while um, that that teacher hat comes back on. Um, and then it's just like, okay, mom, I get it. Love you. But I, I need a mom. I need someone who's not going to say I'm fat. And she never does. <laughs> she never does. But she'll look at you funny. Like, you know, we'll make a comment. You know, I, you know, she'll hold me to my comments when I was like 17. I'm never going to get, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to. She's like, oh, when you were 17, I'm like, ah, I was 17. That's over 10 years ago, mom. Like, drop it. There's a lot that's changed since then. Uh, something I, that we do with my kids is I say, you can always interrupt me and say, I just want my mom. I just want to li- someone to listen to me. I don't need advice. I don't need whatever it is. And in recent years, that's been really effective for them. Yeah. And like now my 19 year old, she will like just reach over and just tap me on the shoulder and go, I just need my mom right now. I'm like, okay, yes. Got it. Yeah. Got that. And that's really hard. And I think, you know, again, prefacing this with, I love my mom and of she course. will disagree with me with what I'm going to say, but I don't think she's, really been able to take that hat off um very well 
Um, and it's and it's hard. It's a really hard hat to take off, and I 100% get it, um, especially as a parent myself, right? Like, it can be really hard to to stop, especially for her, because she's grown up. Like she said, her mom was a teacher. She is a teacher, right? Like, so that's what she lives for. To this day, she loves coaching, all right? She she coached most of my siblings through soccer. She coached my, my sister through dance, um, and now she's a physical trainer, uh, you know, when she got cancer, she decided to run marathons and then coached people through marathons. Like, that's what my mom does. My mom lives to teach, and that's awesome. But it also makes it really hard to take that teach hat off and just be a, I just need an emotional sponge right now, mom. I just need someone who's going to tell me it's going to be okay, and I don't need a lesson, right? I don't need you to go back, well, if you had done this, right? Like, I don't need that. I know I did it wrong. I just need someone who can be, I love you. Nothing's going to, you know, it's all going to be okay. I've got your back. And she's getting better at that. hundred percent. She's getting better at that. And I think as the kids age, it gets easier and easier for her. Um, I noticed like, as I got older, I got married all of a sudden that was quite a bit easier for her. Right. Um, I had, I got a kid for a while. She taught me on how to parent. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but now that I've moved out, um, you know, cause when we, when my wife and I had Alice and her daughter, uh, we lived at my parents because I had lost my job. Um, uh, and just financially my wife needed to go to school and she was going to stop doing her job, ended up all working out, but we needed a place to stay. Um, and since we've done that, like that's that line's been broken quite a bit, and now she's 100% really good at just being my mom. Um, but for some of my siblings that still live at home that are still in school, that's really hard because they're still in school to her because they are, but she's no longer the teacher, um, and that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah, that's something she and I talked a little bit about is just how – because she feels like she described feeling fired. Right. Not, yeah. re- not retired from. Yeah. I, I, when she, when she said that, I'm like, ah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I, I feel differently. Like I don't feel like when my kids are all gone, that that's the end of like, I, I'm trying, like I started a podcast, you know what I mean? Like I've always had these other things because I don't, for one thing, I don't want them to think that my whole world revolves only around them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah, I have, I have interest. Mom... Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say, and that's why my mom is now a physical trainer. Yeah, exactly. And that's what she talked about too, is like, she would, that's the advice she'd gotten and that she would share is find who you are independent of being a homeschool mom. And I would say it, start it even earlier. Don't start it when you're looking at the end, start it at the beginning because nothing is more inspiring to kids than watching somebody full of passion, pursuing interests, failing and trying again. You know, it doesn't have to be something you do when everybody's getting ready to leave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. The other thing that's really huge is building, you're talking about failing and is building a, building a, uh, a place to fail. Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes back to where I felt like I didn't have that opportunity really. Um, but making sure that failing has consequences, right. You know, that there are, that there's, you know, it hurts. And I think some of that just had to do with, you know, the fact that it's really hard to punish one out of six kids, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, without punishing all of them. <laughs> uh, 
so that that's I, I don't know if my mom could have done anything better. Um, in and it, it's a hundred percent looking back with rose colored glasses and and you know when you're looking back you can go oh, I screwed up there oh I should have done that but like for someone like me and a couple of my other siblings I think a hundred percent we should have gone gone to high school. The other thing um, that that does kind of going back to that is um, the social life. Um, as you can tell from this conversation, I am extremely talkative. Um, I will talk anyone's ear off about any subject that I find interesting. Um, my wife just says, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and because of that, I threw people off um, because I knew a lot because my mom taught us so much. And I knew, to be frank, more than a lot of my, you know, kids my age about bizarre subjects that they had no interest in but i found extremely fascinating right um and that made me an outsider um which meant it was a lot harder to find that core group of friends because it was a lot harder to find um core like interests and and the one person who i would say would have been that person moved away um he was about a year younger than me, um, but not that far off. We were both really into board games, really into computer games, really into baseball and soccer and like those types of things. Which I grew up in a in a um, uh, in a group of friends that ba- basketball was the sport, and I'm not I am not uh, height gifted, um, <laughs> therefore basketball was never really going to be a thing for me. Um, but I am very good at soccer, or was not anymore. I'm fat now, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but it was one of those things like for the two of us, we got along really well and then he moved. Um, and it just, it was really hard. Um, because I didn't, it was hard to find like things, people that liked the same thing. And I think that would have been easier if I'd been in school because my friend pool would have grown. Um, and part of that had to do with my friend pool was created by my mom. Right. Because she would go, all right, great. Well, you like soccer, so we'll get a soccer team. And that kind of worked. But even that was meh. Um, So she started Lights, which was a bunch of homeschooling youth, which, again, like I mentioned, you know, closest one was five hours away or was an hour away. That's just that's not really for a high schooler. That's not it's not close enough. You know, older now I can do an hour away because I can just hop in my car or ride my motorcycle and I'm fine. Right. Um, But you know, for a 16 year old, that just doesn't work. So that's part of it. Um, it, part of that, that, that getting to school is finding a way to build a friend group. That's not artificial. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of religious friend groups can be, especially if you're someone like me who eventually steps away from that religion. Um, it's really hard, really hard to find common ground, especially because like our relationship was built off of our religion. Yeah. Right. So the authentic, so, the authentic friend groups. Yeah. That was, that the was authentic friend groups were super difficult. Um, you know, I had friend groups in each of the individual interests I had, but none of them I would really say are friends that would span those. Um, I very rarely, I mean, now as an adult, I, I have those. Um, but you know, it was really hard to do that initially. You know, it's interesting too. Um, I'm just thinking about, how you can still like honor your mom and your dad and everything that they did and, and still say it could have gone better, you know, or I wish this had been different, that those two things can coexist too. And I would, you know, just thinking about how you say that's not to say that she didn't do a great job. You know, those, those two concepts can coexist. 
right? She, yeah, 100%. She did, she did do a great job. She was a great mom. You did have a great time. You did have a great education, but you also didn't have an authentic friend group. And you also, and like, there's all these things she couldn't have anticipated or didn't have bandwidth yeah, what for. what is she Who supposed knows? to do with that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. she can't. She can't build an authentic friend group for me. That's not how authentic friend groups work. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and some of that has to do with the fact that I was homeschooled. Like just straight up homeschooling, especially back then, but even to the same degree, is weird. Right? Um, like that's just matter of fact for a lot of people. That's not normal. And yeah. when you're in high school, normal, anything not normal is weird. End of story. Right? Um it's part of being a kid. <laughs> and there's no growing out of that. I mean, now when I talk to my friends, being homeschooled is an asset, right? Because they're like, oh, that was so interesting. What do you mean you did this? What do you mean you flew a plane when you were 14, right? Like, how cool is that, right? But my friends were just like, that's weird. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're weird. Go away. Yeah. Right? You're you're not normal, right? So it's it's one of those kind of kind of situations and again nothing my mom really could have done other than maybe send me to school which again i would have fought tooth and nail there i would have been a horrible first probably month or so <laughs> <laughs> like hands down my i would have hated it my mother would have hated it probably very well could have ruined our relationship but i still think i should have done it i think our relationship would have recovered <laughs> yeah yeah all so that, it, go- all that good hindsight right yeah exactly exactly well, awesome. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to share? This just feels like a good stopping place, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have much more other than you know, for anyone out there who is homeschooling their children, it's a great way to spark creative thinking, uh, and a desire to learn, and just, just do it. It's totally worth it. But don't discount, um public school and don't discount that your child may need that social. I'm a, I'm a huge social person myself and being put in a situation where I couldn't do that really hurt me. And again, nothing my parents could have done about it. It's just what it is. Um, but just try to look at it and, and really try and find what's best for your, you and your family uh, and your child. But homeschooling is fantastic, especially if you do it right and, and let the kid dictate the learning as much as you can. Um, they'll learn so much that way and they'll enjoy it and you'll have fond memories forever. Thanks again to Cray for being on the podcast, for being so generous with his time and his experiences and stories. You can tell that he loves his family. And even though he wants to do things differently or felt like it should be different, like I said, in the podcast, those, those two ideas can coexist that he can still have love and respect and happy memories, but also want to do different. So I just really appreciated that point of view. This has been another episode of If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your the feedback that I've gotten. You can reach me on Instagram at If Homeschool Walls Could Talk or by email, homeschoolwalls at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. <music>